Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gilmore and Guests. I'm John Gilmore. Today is Wednesday, May 4th, 2016. In studio is another appearance by what I've come to call our primary podcast panelists, consisting of Laura Hemler, Jake Duesenberg, and Sheila Kinney. Welcome back, all three of you. Thanks for having us. Uh, The news of the universe is Donald Trump is the presumptive Republican nominee for president in 2016. He won Indiana handily. Last night, Ted Cruz withdrew graciously. This morning, we learned that uh, Ohio Governor John Kasich will make an announcement at 4 o'clock central time, uh, withdrawing from the race, thereby leaving Trump unopposed. Uh, The idea of a brokered or contested convention has evaporated. The idea of the nomination going beyond one ballot simply won't happen. Um, This is about as fresh as scheduled podcasts can get. And accordingly, I'd like to turn it over to the panel so you can get their thoughts. Take it away. Well, it looks like the election's coming down to Hillary Clinton and a Hillary Clinton donor. That was not original. (laughs) Laura? (laughs) Oh, that's pretty good, actually. I read a tweet. Well, okay. I don't know where I don't know what to say. Okay, thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thought this would be a surefire winner of a podcast. Happy days are here again. I'm going to be Carly now. I'm going to sing. Okay, oh, that yeah, Carly, that was a little creepy. Yeah, it's a little frightening. It's a little frightening. Carly. Just look at her face, though. I felt bad for Carly. I felt bad for Ted at the end. It was that final day. It was like nothing I've ever seen. In politics, I mean, it was just brutal. So I was really glad to see that Ted, as you said, graciously uh, got out of the race. Um, it was time. And, uh, and you know, it, it was brutal. But, you know, what do you think the general's going to be is all I have to say to the people that are saying, well, he's mean and he did this and he said this. Right. And my God. I mean, have you seen the American left lately? Right. So I'm oh, excited right. for once to have a fighter. Yep. That we can get behind, and uh, he is not going to take anything from anybody. That's right. And I'm excited as a Republican for the first time uh, since 2000. I was excited about George Bush. Um, um, You know, it's been one heck of a 16 years um, Mm -hmm. through 9-11, through the wars, and uh, here we are. And uh, I'm really happy. Just as a programming note, so listeners know about halfway through this podcast, uh, Secretary of the Republican Party of Minnesota, Ryan Love, will be calling in. Ryan will be resigning from that position because he's taking employment in the important state of Florida, and we wish him well. But the panel would like me to ask him some questions along the lines of an exit interview. I will do that. And then when it's over, the panel can discuss uh, anything that was of interest uh, to them. Uh, so, Sheila, you, you you are enthused for the first time in some time, you were saying. Yes, I am. And, um, you know, in, in Minnesota, it's a little bit of a different thing. He didn't step foot in the state. Smart man. Um, unfortunately for us, I doubt that he's going to come here or spend any money here. You know, but that's nothing new. Mitt Romney didn't spend anything here. I remember Laura four years ago and a group of donors had to put the bill for his signs. And she delivered them to me in Eden Prairie so I could. I mean, there was no Romney really? presence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, we didn't get him in the East Metro. Is this yeah. is this my mistake that we we now think that there was? I mean, hasn't there been some sort of myth that there was a Romney? There was never there was a Romney. Zero. Was there? No, there was no zero. staff. There was no office. And then, McCain. but I'm saying after the fact, did didn't we think there was? Because to hear some people, the usual suspects, 
talk, it's as though there was. And now they're contrasting it by saying there won't be with Trump. From so a this grassroots is standpoint of the signs and the phone banking, no. You know, John McCain had uh, several offices. He had one in Eden Prairie that, you mm-hmm. know, phone banking mm-hmm. and all of that. Yep. So that's the negative for Republicans in Minnesota where, you know, because we're uh, stupid and voted for Rubio, we are not going to have any, um, you know, money spent here. But um, speaking of money, I just want to say how amazing it is that Donald Trump only spent $900,000 in Indiana mm-hmm. while he had millions and millions in the club for growth. And, you know, it's just so refreshing to see that someone could break through all of that nonsense and wasted money. Um, and and Sheila, it so was, it's going it, to be a totally different campaign, mm-hmm. you know, yep, totally different. Yep. It, it was seventy six million dollars oh, that generated wow. sixty that six, that generated sixty five thousand ads to date. Obviously, not just Indiana. So thank God, and and you know all the my, all the people who are sad today. Please be conservative, be fiscal conservatives, and think of all the money we're saving. What what would have been a, the same thing in California times ten. You know, please think practically. And all that money now can go to help Congress and local races and everything else. So get on the Trump train. If you don't like it, then you can do what I did with Romney. And no, actually, I helped Romney and McCain. You can be a big baby and you can leave the Republican Party. There's the door. Bye. See you later. Laura? Unless, of course, you're a media buyer, then you're really upset because there was a lot less money spent. I think the expression is butthurt. <laughs> and the consultants were whining a lot last night. And yeah. then I got up this morning and I'm like, did they stay all up? Did they stay up all night and just get worse? Because it's, it's really unseemly. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and if, if the wave reach, reaches Minnesota, which it very well may, I mean, there's no need to spend any money here. Uh, and, and if he's doing well here, that means the wave is so enormous that you don't need to spend money here. I was saying to one of the panel members before we got on air that uh, there was a tweet last night I saw where Van Jones, who uh, is a prominent figure, I'd say, on the left, uh, a respected Democrat, African-American, uh, thoughtful, I mean, telegenic. He's got like, you know, pundit written all over him, and he does a good job within those parameters. And he was saying to his fellow panelists, uh, he's on CNN, that the Democrats had better build um, their sandbags, better pile them high, because there's a wave coming. And I'm chagrined by people on the center and the right who think not only are we going to lose the White House, we're going to lose the Senate and the House, and we'll become a one-party state, and we'll have to eat yeah. tofu for the rest of the I mean, it's all you know, just beyond hyperbole. And, and here's somebody of the left saying, not so fast. Howard Feynman last night on Hardball was saying – he, he had to do a little potty do with the other uh, guests, but he was saying, this isn't a cakewalk, people. And I think, Sheila, for what you were starting to say is, we have a fighter, and the one person Hillary doesn't know how to run against is Donald Trump. I saw Kerry Lucking, who's nobody's slouch when it comes to activism in, the, in Minnesota and in the Twin Cities in particular, doing the old playbook. Oh, he said, what? He, he has a lot of women? I just can't. And I'm thinking, that dog won't hunt, just like Hillary's woman card that she issued as a fundraiser. I mean, these these are all stale, out-of-date plays. If you're somebody who wants to see justice for Benghazi, if you're somebody who wants to see some justice for um, the careless uh, state secrets that were shared with the world via her lousy uh, um, uh, email servers, if you're somebody who wants to see these things, then you should be excited for Trump because no other Republican 
you know, d- except for maybe Ted Cruz, was going to take her to task on those and had the ability to get past all the media noise and and really deliver the message that she is crooked. She's as crooked as can be. The Clintons have been crooked since the Whitewater days in Arkansas. And I think a lot of the younger Republicans, sort of the staffers and stuff, you know, they weren't alive during Reagan. They don't understand what it was like to live in a country where America was so strong and so red, white, and blue and united respected, and respected. respected. I mean, it was these were, those were great times. Reagan won in a landslide. So they don't understand what that feeling is. They were Bush Republicans where we didn't even win the popular vote, where it was, you know, Bush was hated and reviled from the day he got into office. Um, So I I just don't for me, it is a little bit of a throwback. It is a little bit of a nostalgia to maybe seeing. I love what Trump said last night. We're going to be united. We're going to get get along. I mean, wouldn't that be nice instead of having to walk around your neighborhood? And I mean, honestly, it's so ugly out there right now with how divided the country is. What makes you believe that under Trump, Hillary Clinton will be held accountable? Well, because under Hillary Clinton, she won't be. Well, and I'm not saying that. I'm saying under Donald Trump. Of course, she's not going to be held accountable if she was the president. But under Donald Trump, what gives you the idea that she's going to be I'm held accountable? I'm talking about like the debates and the campaign. Oh, right? gotcha. He's yeah. going to drive it on home with, with I think, Hillary. He's not going to let people forget at all what she did. Broke the law, obviously, and and that would have happened with any of the presidential. They'd candidates. never be no, able to break no. through the. Oh, you noise. don't think so? No, my gosh! Oh, there's tons of money just ready to go to to get her on Benghazi. We're, we're, talking, but the, we're, we're not talking about money, Jake. We're talking. We just about, said seventy six million dollars. Yeah, we're talking about people, lost. We're talking about people who have the cojones or the ovaries to actually stand up and say, "Look, you're corrupt. You're crooked." Your foundation is simply uh, a way of being bought off without violating overtly federal law. By the way, you violated federal espionage laws. Right. Anybody else who wasn't Hillary Clinton uh, would be, you know, demoted like General Petraeus or in jail. I mean, there's Edwards. But that's not going to happen under Donald Trump. What isn't? That she's actually going to be held accountable. At I'm least, talking about the campaign. You're just talking yeah. about I'm talking verbally about on Americans. the Americans. I'm talking about every single American in this country is going to know about Hillary Clinton yeah, I just and what she's done. And he's not going to hold back Jake. How do you think? I mean, I think Cruz would have done just as good a job at that. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I, never, Cruz, I never saw him go after Hillary much in the campaign. He was always. Well, he had to go after Trump. I mean, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that was his near range target. Yeah. This is the entire reason he's left standing is that if someone threw a punch, he threw it right back. Twice in, as hard. In the moment or the next time he got to a microphone, mm-hmm. he lobbied back. And we've been waiting for someone to do that for so long. We have this pent up. And his messaging, we've talked about messaging, messaging, messaging. Mm-hmm. You know, when I did the calling for Trump and I was thinking about this today, all of his call scripts were so d- different. There's just something different. You know, I'm like something I'm like, these don't look like a, this is too long, you know. But they all said at the end, it's, it's time we 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 don't need another all talk, no action politician. Right. And then Trump says that all the time, all talk, no action. These are things that Republicans have not been able to figure out. Simple marketing, simple messaging, simple branding, simple yeah. advertising, how you get to somebody. I mean, the entire country basketball ring there. There's a good example. <laughs> yeah. So Jimmy Kimmel did a man on the street. Right. And he does the man on the street. 
and you ask them, name a Supreme Court justice, name the vice president of the United States, right? And and probably half of them or more for Supreme Court justices, it's like 80 percent can't name a Supreme Court justice. It was so funny the day that Ted Cruz said that basketball ring comment. He, every, what do you call about hoop, 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 hoop. We have to deal with the fact that it is 2016. We have products of an American education system for 40 years that has oh, yeah. not taught the Constitution, that has not taught American history correctly, and it's getting worse and worse. I'm sorry that you still think, like so many Republicans do, that we can somehow break through that noise with a totally conventional candidate. No, I, I never said that. I actually, that's the one thing I like about Donald Trump is he's not conventional. I, I agree with you guys. You just said uh, Ted Cruz would have the same ability to hold Hillary accountable. Oh, absolutely on that. Candidate. Well, Ted Cruz is not your run-of-mill candidate. He's not your run-of-mill politician. Look what he's done out in Washington, D.C. He's been a thorn in the side of the establishment. He actually has been a thorn in the side of the establishment, not funding them like Do you think it was calculated like in hindsight? I do. As a Ted Cruz oh, supporter. Oh, it probably is. I, that was my biggest issue with, with Ted Cruz other than his constitutional uh, ability to be president because he was born in Canada um, was the fact that I don't know how authentic he was. But Donald Trump is obviously not authentic. I mean, the guy's been funding Democrats his whole life. You I don't think, understand New York. He's as authentic as can uh, okay. be. I mean, okay. my God. Well, no. Okay. You don't I mean, uh, here's the have reality. You, do you know any New Yorkers, though? Of course, I know New York. You know New Yorkers, sure. people from like from yeah. Manhattan, the Queens, Brooklyn. The yeah, Bronx. I dated a girl that uh, her family lived on. Uh uh, what's it called? Uh, Staten Island. Island. Did she, did she take Island. out a restraining Staten order Island. on you at the end? Wasn't yeah. It? Didn't, you, it, but didn't you don't, end in you tears. don't see any sort of traits, similar traits, and a little bit of the bravado and a little bit of the... Well, I get that. That's that was good old authentic? New York values, was right? Was she someone that was true? <laughs> I mean, I'm just... I'm just no, here, here's, I think here's, people don't get this. Well, whether they do or not, um, he vanquished the professional class, A to Z, on the Republican side. The Libertarians, the Chamber people, the neocons. The Tea Party. The Tea Party. The all, everyone who thinks he's, they're so smart. He's, um, he's created in 10 months, having never run for any office before, starting at the top, uh, an, uh, a political revolution. He's changed everything. Jake, no longer will donors get a pass. The, I don't, you know, who funds Americans for okay, prosperity? You guys keep funds. talking about this stuff that I'm not disagreeing with on. Right. I, what I'm saying is this guy is likely to be the next president of the United States. I actually think he's got a better chance of getting in than Hillary Clinton. Why, why do you think that? Tell, tell us why you think that. Uh, overall, I think appeal to people uh, and his machine will be outperforming Hillary Clinton. But I think really what it comes down to is states like Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Florida is probably one of the most important ones. And he, I think polling right now shows him behind Hillary. I don't think that's even be close to what happens come general election day, November 8th. Um, so he'll pick up those big states you got a lot of blue collar, a lot of uh, good Americans Hillary in those states, Clinton and they're not going to want Hillary Clinton. Yeah, especially when she says, "What did she say about coal oh, mining?" Oh, about the coal. Forget yeah, that's coal mining, dead in the baby, water there in Pennsylvania. Honey, right. Oh, bring it. There, there, on. There's a reason that Trump specifically mentioned we're putting miners back to work last night. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. But really, oh, what's so really important about Trump though is the time timeliness of his responses, the 24-hour news cycle. Uh, the other candidates did more traditional things like wait for a packed message a week later off a gaffe on a Monday, 10 days later, a pack is running an ad. It's over. That Next. moment is over. Next. Okay. So he, he used his gut, his political gut, and he punched back immediately and he captured people's attention. He didn't have consultants 
talking him out of saying this. And, and of course, he made some mistakes. Of course, you're going to make mistakes. Jump, let me jump so in. Can I finish my but, point but here? But that's what he, that's what he did. Buchanan, just a minute. Let me, let me jump in on the mistake and then, Jake, to you just in a second. I'll speak only for myself. I don't know if Laura and Sheila agree with me. They can say so. And then we'll go back to your point, Jake. And I can't speak for any other Trump supporters. I was originally a Scott Walker guy. There were times when I cringed when I didn't understand what Trump was doing. The idea that Trump supporters are these robotic, he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, so classic, um, that was hyperbole. But in fact, there were times when he did different things at different moments that caused not a little bit of consternation for however, you know, a few hours a day. Let let me just finish. I think think there were a lot of moments where because we hadn't seen a candidate like Trump— we didn't know what was going on. I, I, I'll go to my grave thinking there wasn't a Republican in the first hour of that South Carolina debate that knew that w- what was going on when he attacked Bush and he threw 30, 35 years of neoconservative foreign policy right out the damn window. And by the way, Jake, he said, as a Republican, you expect me to run on cutting Social Security? Yeah, I don't think so. But that's what the elites say, and that's what the smart people say. And now Hillary's the neocon. In the that's race. right, she now is. Jake, finishing your yeah, point. My yep. point here is I don't disagree with what you guys are saying about him being an unconventional candidate, which makes him an excellent politician. My problem with Donald Trump is he's a Democrat, and we are likely to elect a guy to lead this country that we have absolutely no idea what his real views are. He has been all over on every single issue. I want a guy with principles or a lady with trade. principles. Not on trade. He's horrible on trade. That's the Not, one no, thing no, he's no, probably no, no, consistent no, no. on. Wait. Oh, okay. He yeah, he's probably consistent on trade, and he's terrible on trade. He wants tariffs. He wants horrible. to raise the prices of goods and services in this country because of his trade Should policies. Should we be a 100% service economy and have no manufacturing no, in the United No, absolutely not. States? That's not true. No, okay, how do we make get, that argument? Well, how, how do we get energy, and how do we get um Oh, well, government's in the here. way of that. Government's absolutely in the way of that. So it's not all about trade policies. It's about the regulations by the EPA. It has it's nothing to do with import and, import and export taxes. It has something to do with it, but it doesn't mean you uh, raise tariffs on these uh, imports to, to raise the price of goods and service in this economy. See, I, I believe in we produce the things that we are best at producing, and we consume what other countries are good at producing. That's I wish the reality are. matched the rhetoric that you're just engaging in, Jack, because... Jake. Sorry, Jake, because you can go to the same places that Trump talks about and manifestly, manifestly, we like to say that if we're center, center right, however we label ourselves, conservatives, Republicans, Tea Party, Libertarians, Independents, uh, we like to look for results. Well, I'll give you the results. I'll give you closed minds. I'll give you uh, a completely out. economically depressed seventh and or eighth yeah. district of Minnesota. Well, and, awful, ho- and hollowed awful. out, hollowed out. Yeah, manu- but you're blaming this all on international trade. No, no, and no. If it was, no, no, no we're okay. not. So that's okay. very important. Trump is for fair trade, fair trade, and we've got ninnies who don't know what they're doing. I, I mean, this is what is so hilarious to my mind. Here comes, I don't know, Hitler. I see. And that's he's a problem. A why, why are we mogul? talking about really? fair trade? Yeah. Why are we? Yeah. Why are we talking about fair trade? I thought we were conservatives. Shouldn't we be talking about free trade? What, I mean, isn't that what? The, isn't that the term that the left uses? Fair trade. I don't. So some central planner gets to choose what fairness is. So Jake, you were Jake, for welcome, or against well, NAFTA in 1992 when you were eight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever his I'm dad said. I am the youngest one here. <laughs> Whatever I, his dad said. I wasn't said. an after person. I was all a 20 some. No, I, I actually don't believe government needs to set up our trade agreements. I believe. Were that, you for or against NAFTA? Well, I was I was probably eight years old. What year was that? 90, 90 something? Well, yeah, I was young. Nice Clinton. 90, so in hindsight, yes, I'm against, but it, you know, at that time I wasn't into politics. 
You're against, was, you're against more NAFTA. Pl- you're was, against NAFTA. Right. That's free trade. No, we don't need an agreement by government. Free trade is private citizens from two different nations deciding what they want to do, what they want to produce, and what they want to exchange. Now, this is just one microcosm of all the issues I have with Donald Trump. We don't know where he stands on these issues. I agree he is a great candidate. Are you voting for Trump or Hillary? Me personally? Yeah. Not that it matters in Minnesota because we always go Democrat, at least since, uh, what was Nixon? But I will be looking at a third-party candidate. Okay. I um, vote on, listen, I vote on principle. I vote on the people that I believe. That, that's fine. That, that, that's fine. I think, I think you're missing the zeitgeist. I think right. you're missing a profound political realignment. I think you um, mean well, but you're not listening to the people who you think you want to reach or who maybe you think support you when they actually don't because um, the Republican Party has failed its base. And oh, the big time. Elite, I agree with that. Yeah, and the elite is now blaming the base for not eating the dog food. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, Jeb Bush was in this race, for God's sake. But, you know. I was, I was going to mention this, too, because I called this last summer mm-hmm. in July, not because I was a Trump supporter. I just had a gut instinct that this was going to happen. And I had people who do this for a living in Minnesota who call me crazy, call me names, I've been called stupid. I've been called all kinds of things. I've been put on lists. I've been shunned. um, All for just explaining this phenomenon. And I have to say today, as a Minnesota Republican who wants Republicans to win, if you out there listening, if you work for a PAC or a think tank or public affairs, lobbyists, campaign, a caucus, and you don't have somebody on your board, in your inner circle, in a little um, coffee kitchen cabinet situation who saw this coming or at least can explain the Trump phenomenon, then you're not doing it right. You don't have to vote for Trump. You can be never Trump. You can stay consistent and not vote for him like, like Jake just mentioned. I'm, I'm okay with that. But you need to analyze. If you want to move public opinion, you have to know where the public is. You have to know what is happening in the culture And what's happening in Minnesota is everyone has their head in the sand. And instead of analyzing what's going on, you choose to lash out at people like me, who 15-year volunteer and donor. And if you think that you're going to be successful doing that, you have another thing coming. So today, I say, eat some crow. Because, (laughs) you know, you you people are the ones that kind of pushed me into Donald Trump's arms. I I gave money to another candidate. I caucused for another candidate. Uh, And it's your snarky ridiculousness, your cluelessness. uh, And I I will not be called stupid. That that was when I was called stupid to my face. I mean, ridiculousness, ridiculousness. If you're so anyway, that's my well, little rant for today. Yeah, I got a comment on that because I, I agree. I think that was very well put. Comment. Very good, well, well put, Laura. Um, this happens every election cycle. People gravitate towards a character, a personality, a candidate, and there are two, two to three, or maybe even five different factions of people. We 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 can't see eye to eye because we are. We really love the person that we were behind. And um, if you don't like Trump, then they go after people like Laura. And this happened the same thing with us Ron Paul people back in 2012. 
So I have a lot of sympathy for it. And I, th- there are times where I want to do the same thing as what you're accusing these people of doing. But I, I bite my tongue and I say, you know, it's not worth it because, honest to God, there's a lot of good in what Donald Trump has done bringing these people out. So I don't disagree at all with you guys on what he has done to to the election cycle. What I'm saying here is, and I think you are not addressing this enough, is that this guy is a loose cannon when it comes to policy. And in the end of the day, that's all I really care about is what is he going to do as commander-in-chief of armed forces? What is he going to do to uphold and defend the Constitution? What is he going to do with our fiscal crisis? And I don't think he is going to do a darn thing about it. So, well, Great. We all have to see because some of those uh, answers are in the future and possibly as we go forward with the uh, primary podcast panelists, I'm going to have to come up with a new, uh, a new name. Now your general election podcast prognosticators or something. Uh, But I want to get to Ryan Love, who's been holding. Uh, Ryan is currently the secretary of the Republican Party of Minnesota, and he has graciously agreed to jump in for a little bit and and talk about uh, what he thinks has been the strengths and weaknesses going forward. Ryan, welcome to Gilmore and Guests. Hi, how are you doing today? Good, thank you. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm a bit busy, but doing great. Well, um, is it true that you leave tomorrow? Actually, Sunday. Sunday, okay. okay. All right. Well, best of luck to you. You're going to the CD2 convention. Okay, yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, well, best of luck um, from all of us here to you as you strike out and, and return to Florida. Ryan, I was wondering if you wanted to share with our listeners and with the panel your general take um, as to the state of the Republican Party in Minnesota. Uh, where are we? What what haven't we done? What do we need to do? Um, what What is... Um, a large issue that we should maybe confront that we haven't. Uh, my my particular hobby horse is we haven't won a statewide race in 10 years, and I've already conceded 2018 to Tina Flint-Smith, so that'll be an even dozen. Uh, what aren't we doing right as Republicans to, to be viable statewide, do you think? Well, uh, I think a lot of it is the networking. We're not organizing people into the um, hubs that they want to be located in. Generally, the state party is saying, here's what's going on, here's what's going on, rather than finding out what's important to each individual person and getting those groups together so they can help each other and tie them in with a state rep or state senator so they can get some bills passed that they want, and that's going to keep them involved in stuff. I've heard a theory. I had coffee with a friend yesterday, and she used to be with the House Caucus, um, and the idea was that the House Caucus in particular seems to have become uh, a locus of, of power unto itself. It fundraises uh, separate and apart from the party. It doesn't always necessarily message, to the extent we message, uh, with the party in coordination uh, within whatever legal requirements uh, must be kept. Um, do, you, do you think that there there's something to that, that the party's over here and the House Caucus is over there and not quite never the two shall meet, but that a greater coordination would be more helpful? Yeah, I, I, I actually completely agree on that, and I've seen it in cases of um, endorsed candidates not getting the support from the House caucus because they wanted someone else. So, you know, I've seen races where it went to someone ran against the endorsed candidate and won simply because the House caucus backed the other person. What do you think the chances are of that changing in the near future? Well, that's going to come down to, you know, the state chair and how um, dynamic they're going to be in regards to saying, look, here's what needs to happen. 
and convince them otherwise. But generally, there's when you have a vacuum of um, what's going on across the state, because right now, Keith Downey has to concentrate on trying to pay down the debt and everything. So we're lacking on the other half of things, which is, you know, the grassroots, the reaching out to the caucus, the Senate and all that, and getting that unified message that you spoke about. Well, in the in the defense of the House caucus, it just occurs to me, I try to be fair. I don't have to agree with people, but I, I try to be fair with, like, what people's positions are or how they think about things. Would Would not the House caucus say... Uh, look, there's a vacuum and somebody had to step into it. Uh, we weren't going to get a majority um, back in 2014 based on the strength of the party because of limited finances and something of a eroded, corroded uh, party infrastructure and that sort of thing? Well, if, if their only focus is on the House, which, you know, justifiably it could be, then yes, that's within their realm. But if they want to look on the long term, over the entire state and the upcoming future, what is the best way to leverage the entire Republican Party across the state, whether it's House, Senate, or anything else? And in that regard, you can't just concentrate on what you think is best for your group. You have to look at what's going to help everyone overall, because, you know, long term, that's going to help you out the most as well. What do you think the party has, has done well uh, in the time that you've been its secretary, besides being a very great secretary? <laughs> they um, made me secretary. Okay. Uh, that was people like us. That wasn't the party. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really like is that they started a new program called Right to the Roots, and they are reaching out to a lot of the BPOUs and um, districts and stuff like that with you know the dynamics of that particular BPOU. Here's how many farmers you have in your area. Here's how many child care union people you have in your area. And they're looking at all the tabs and trying to say, here's how you might want to target your audience in this BPLU to try and become more successful in reaching out to people. Mm -hmm. And uh, conversely, uh, where do you think, um, not that they dropped the ball, but they could maybe pick it up and run with it better? What advice would you give to the Republican Party on behalf of Minnesota Republicans at the grassroots level as as you exit the state, Ryan, because, you know, not many people occupy the position that you did. You've never claimed to have all the answers, but I, I thought I'd be remiss if you left the state and we didn't have a chance to at least visit quickly. Well, the at the state level, they need more um, public relations and targeting with their messaging and stuff. There's so many times where we drop the ball when, you know, Angie Craig gets endorsed. Well, we should have had a message right there in CD2 explaining, you know, our viewpoint on why the DSL is knocked out all of her competitors and stuff like that. So there's a lot of messaging and stuff that I think would help the party overall. Um, grassroots, in, they need to be heard. I don't think they're being heard enough um, across the state. They need to, but I'm not sure how they're, they're going to get their voice up if the people that are currently in office aren't going to start listening to them. Is it a, is it a staffing problem um, on, on the part of the chair and the deputy chair? Um, I don't know how many staff members paid or unpaid the party has that, that accounts for sort of being flat-footed both in timeliness and in substance when it comes to messaging? Because it, it really does seem to be the case that the party doesn't message very uh, very well. 
and, and it doesn't seem like it would take a great deal to remedy that, but maybe I'm missing something. Well, I'm, like you know, we, we are hurting because of the debt, so we don't have as many people working for the party as the DFL, especially because we don't have the unions throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars at us either. Um, but there are things that can be set up ahead of time where you know something's coming up and there's software out there that will help you say, okay, at, on Wednesday at this time, I want you to send out this message. You know, there's no reason why we can't have some of these things. And I know that the state party has um, a messaging group um, that Downey was going to put me in contact with, but I never heard back on that. So I couldn't help on that, on the messaging at all. Interesting. So they have something. I'm just not seeing enough of it, really. In your view, for, again, what it's worth, do you think we even need to have the position of deputy chair? <laughs> Uh, that's a. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, you can take can, a flyer. You can take a flyer. You, you yeah, can pass on that I, one. I understand. I understand both sides of it. My my personal belief is yes. I, I like having a deputy chair, um, but it's behooving on the delegates and stuff to put someone there that they believe is going to be, you know, fulfill the role that they see, you know, and. You know, if the chair steps down for any reason, you want to have someone there right away to pick it up. And there has to be, you know, transfer of knowledge going on between the two. There has to be a repository of all of this stuff. And um, some of that's not happening. And that's concerning. Sure. Well, Ryan, we really appreciate you taking the time to to visit with us here. I know that um, you're up to your ears with an impending departure from the state of Florida. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the CD2 endorsing convention. If nothing else, it should be terribly interesting. Uh, From what I've heard, it may even go many, many rounds, although I think they have to stop, don't they, panel, after five, and then it's no endorsement uh, between... I think they are changing the rules to have... They've allocated for 20 ballots currently. That, that's absurd. <laughs> Hi, just when you couldn't be taken seriously as a political party, we have 20 ballots. Okay, great. Who doesn't want to be part of this group? Uh, Ryan Love, uh, please stay in touch with uh, the people that you've helped serve in, in Minnesota. We thank you. I think uh, you've probably been unsung in what you wanted to do and have done and then haven't been able to do for a number of reasons. And safe travels uh, and prosperity in Florida. Thanks very much. Minnesota people are great. Thank you, Ryan. Take care. Yep. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, he gets points for honesty. Um, I don't know how much the panel wants to talk about that or carry on with uh, the more uh, exciting and sexy topics of of the national campaign. Uh, Before we got Ryan Love um, onto the podcast, Laura Hemler was talking about what it was like being a Trump supporter in Minnesota and the the abuse and the... uh, disrespect, which is doesn't seem quite, uh, that seems like not curtsying or bowing before the queen. It's a little more than disrespect. Um, and it's, it's disturbing because I've heard a lot of anecdotal things along the lines that, that you explained about, Lauren. I get that stuff all the time, but that's kind of my M.O. And just, yeah, we wrote like, you off a long time right. ago. Right. It's yeah. like Gilmore. It's a free pass to call me anything you want. I'm fine. I get it. Um, <laughs> but I'm wondering why, it, what poll came out? Was it the Star Tribune, you guys? And Minnesota voters picked, I'm sorry, Minnesota Republicans picked Trump first. 34. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John Kasich second. And Ted Cruz third. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 
once again, you tweeted something deadly, Sheila Kinney, and said, you know, great way of the party not reflecting what its base wants. Mm-hmm. No matter how you slice, slice that up on any issues, and Jake, I think if you took away the particulars, just the candidates, but then you have the establishment coming in for the third guy, and before that it was, you know, Rubio. I mean, what, what does it say about a state party um, that's divorced from the people it claims to represent? Well, they have to embrace this. I mean, this is the party's candidate. See, I, I have a real easy road here. I, I, I can say what I want. I can be my own person because I can stand for principles all the time. The party is in the business of electing their candidates, which I take advantage of, you know, trying to get some of these people endorsed. And then the party is supposed to help out those candidates. Good case in point, like Ryan talked about. Uh, there's a good chance the House Caucus doesn't help out Cal Bar and SD, thir- or I'm sorry, House District 31B, um, who just took out Tom Hackbarth, a 20-year incumbent. So that's the role of the party is to support their candidates, and they um, need to do that with Donald Trump. I think if they would bother to try to analyze the phenomenon, they would have more sympathy and toward viewpoints. I mean, I, I think they just outright rejected the concept of Trump, just uh, labeled people as dumb or Cro-Magnum for even thinking that he was viable, and they never really figured it out. So they just vilified people. And that doesn't help anybody. And it, it certainly doesn't lend itself to moving public opinion if you can't even understand it yourself. And um, you know, nobody, I, I don't think there's any Trump supporters who claim he's perfect. There's no perfect candidate. If, if We've all been doing this for a long time. Um, but, but you have to, you have to look a little deeper than, than just vilifying people or, I, I don't know, that, that's the part that depresses me the most. And I, and I sincerely hope that people do the work to understand what's going on in the culture, the political culture and the culture in general that has allowed Trump uh, to succeed. And, and we knew, they need to do that work. They really do. But I'm, you know, take some solace in, in uh, you know, fighting. I fought a conservative fight for years since I started in politics in 2006. I, I hosted a global warming event in 2007 called Cooling the Panic on Warming at the time that Tim Pawlenty was being praised mm-hmm. in the Star Tribune for it. And took a little heat for that and people kind of, and then some people kind of came with their eyebrows raised. Well, we do have higher electricity rates because of that. That's so, right. So, so I've been fighting the fight and, uh, you know, everyone knows that history. And, you know, when you, when you lose, because I've been, I, I've lost, I've lost big time um, and I hate losing. Um, but to see Trump win for someone like me, and there's people like me all over the country. There are people like me who have run in primaries, who have challenged their local city councils, who have been in tea parties that are so sick of being called stupid and racist, by the way. Oh, yes. You know, um, we, we talked about this before. And then when you have your own party kind of calling you stupid and racist, you're like, wow. Kind of. Um, but I take solace because I think what happened is the party was wounded like a great hunter, right? A lot of us took shots at them. And, you know, when Eric Cantor lost, that was a shot. And so they were weakened to the point by grassroots activists that also made Trump possible. Right. So I want to take 
not me personally, but for all the grassroots conservatives out there that have been just banging their head against the wall and being called stupid and racist and vilified and kicked out of the party, um, there's something to that with Trump, too. Now, not all of my fellow Tea Party activists like, you know, like Jake, because I mean, Jake's not even going to vote for Trump. But I see it as someone who can really help remake the Republican Party in 2016, which is not 1990, and it's not 1980, and it's not 1960. I mean, it's a whole new world out there. And we have to have a country uh, where we know who is in our country. Um, the, the issues of 9-11, of not knowing uh, who was here and people on extended visas have still not been solved. Mm-hmm. We have a TSA that is a complete joke. Um, you know, we, we do not feel secure in our own country. At least, at least I, I really don't. Um, and uh, these things need to be fixed and resolved. And the number one job of the president of the United States, in my opinion, uh, was, as always, will be national security. Um, so I think if this can be a national security um, election, then, yes, Trump will win. But I want to go Hillary's back. vulnerable on that and subject. I, I think this is all, for me, emotionally, mentally, everything for me goes back to 9-11. It was the day our world changed. And um, I don't think we've resolved so many of the things that led up to that. Um, I think we took the wrong course of action afterwards in hindsight. And uh, so these are, it's not just about me liking somebody. Um, They're very deeply, deeply held issues of being a red, white, and blue um, American and a party that has um, treated people like me um, like absolute dirt. And they can continue to do that. I will be voting for any Republicans that stand by our nominee. I will not be voting for any Republicans that say anything publicly against our nominee. Because once again, um, I helped McCain. I helped Bush. I helped Romney. My God, I voted for Bob Dole. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's I, their turn. I am a Republican. Mm-hmm. It's their that, turn. You're very Let's, consistent on that side. I'm consistent on the other side. I did not support John McCain. I held my breath and voted for Romney. I don't know why I even did that. You're a libertarian. You're I not am a, a Republican. Libertarian. Well, no, I am a, what they call us is a small L libertarian. I believe in the libertarian philosophy. If you don't vote for the Republican presidential nominee, you're not a Republican. I'm sorry, by definition. Well, but fair. yeah, but think about, that's think fair. about, think about the Republican Party. It's not one office. It's not one position. There's many different candidates on the ballot in the Republican Party. I've never voted Democrat before. Um, I don't even think I've ever voted outside the Republican Party. I just don't vote for every Republican. I didn't vote for Norm Coleman. These guys didn't earn my vote. They're terrible. They're corrupt, uh, crony politicians. I want so, to get back to I want to get back to what Sheila said going forward in Minnesota. And Laura, jump in here too, um, if you will, because I think it's interesting. And you know, so much has happened in the last twenty four hours. Uh, Indiana crews getting out, and you know, we, we don't even have John Kasich's. Uh, exit speech yet. Um, we'll see if he's auditioning for uh, <laughs> vice president. Um, but in, in Minnesota, it's it's um, particularly uh, discouraging because, uh, again, we have a party that likes to keep the status quo because it works for those people who are, con- are in control of the, whatever part of the Republican Party is functioning for them. Uh, party officers, House caucus, staffers, donors, um, 
lobbyists. Why are so many Republicans becoming lobbyists? Because we can't win races. I mean, I, I do understand that. I don't think it's a healthy development, but there you go. And they'll support almost any cause because most of these people at these shops have to eat what they kill. Somebody doesn't kill and bring it back for them, and then they all divvy it up. Um, there was a tweet by somebody who I, I don't want to name. He's well-respected. He used to be a staffer. Now he's a lobbyist and so on. But it sort of encapsulated the nauseating self-regard uh, these people have for themselves and uh, virtue signals to media and to the DFL that, you know, they're really the kind of Republicans who aren't racist like Sheila Kenny uh, <laughs> or a bigot, you know, like you, Laura Hemler. Or, no, um, she's stupid. Yeah, or an yeah, Islamophobe like me. I mean, yeah, you know, trot out, trot out. <laughs> what am I, though? I mean, no, you're, you're, you're libertarian. You're, you're, yeah, you're a libertarian. You're, I'm a libertarian. you're, per, but you're perfect. <laughs> but here, here's the tweet. There's someone who can never make a call on things. Yeah, okay, there you go. go this is, I've been this wrong. is, um, this is, uh, it's, it's sort of exquisite. It's, it's just perfect. You know, I, I, and I think it was just dashed off as is the nature of Twitter, but it was almost, you know, so good. Somebody sat up overnight to think about it. Here it is. I'm an American. Oh, there you go. Trump that. I'm an American before I'm a Republican. So yeah, I mean, you know, also means axiomatically. Didn't Jake just say that? Wait. No, no yeah, yeah. I think Mr. I just said Mr. it. Mr. I'm an American. No, I'm a citizen of the world. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, one of those. That's right. No borders. Okay, so he pulled out the America card. Yeah, that's right. I'm an American before I'm a Republican. So, yeah, I'm team hashtag never Trump. Our country's future isn't one of xenophobia, misogyny, or racism. Really, did you see what happened in California at the Trump rally? Did you see the guy who was beaten up? I mean, all of that violence is on the mm-hmm. left. Okay, and, it's continue. and I've had it with Republicans who won't stand up in an even-handed way. To Laura's point, you don't have to like Trump, but there's no excuse for saying I don't understand it. Or worse, people who do support Trump are necessarily the scum of the earth. And you see the people on the DFL. I'm not on Facebook much. Um, but on Twitter, and and you'll see some of their better operatives say, you know, hey, Representative Duesenberg, are you endorsing Trump? Are you behind this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Hitler? And and you can feel how uh, timid and insecure and weak and bad at their jobs. They're supposed to be political operatives and or elected officials. Um, they don't know how to message. They don't know how to push back. Despite Donald Trump, if nothing else, showing people how to say, no, I don't accept the premise of your question. No, this is more of the biased media. I want to have like – I have to figure this out – a ringtone for all of my phone calls incoming where Trump says 75 percent of America's media are scum. That's just – I just want that as a ringtone because (laughs) it's so refreshing. It's a realignment. It is a realignment. But um, I had had a friend call uh, before we came on as I was uh, schlepping from St. Paul and – Apparently, um, help me out here, Brian Rice is in the Edina area running for national committeeman. Mm, Brian I don't Rice? Know who that is. Ryan Rice. No nope. clue. I, I don't know. Yeah, I hadn't heard the name either. The last name is Rice. And uh, he had a breakfast this morning with a mix of people who you know, weren't all Trump people. In fact, uh, my friend who attended said uh, Trump supporters were probably in the minority. And he's running – for the position that Chris Tiedemann is currently mm. holding uh, on oh, the for RNC. Committeemen. For mm. committeemen. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, now is the time to unite. No matter who you had in this race, as Republicans, you have to um, come together and we need to support our guy. I would like Chris Tiedemann to, to say that same thing. 
I would like Janet Byhoffer to say that same thing. If if Reince Priebus, Reince Priebus can, can say that, then it seems incumbent. Do you, do you think they won't do that, though? I, I don't I, I've been know. watching this for a long time. They're waiting for their orders. Listen, I, I don't like getting grouped into the, you know, the, or put in the group with these people because we approach politics completely different. Just because we don't like Trump, it doesn't mean we we approach it the same way. But what these guys end up doing is they do support the presumptive nominee because what they're doing is they're looking at uh, how much they dislike the Democrat Party or how much they dislike Hillary Clinton. For this, In this case, I don't know a, a Democrat that's more hated than Hillary Clinton for years in the Republican ranks. So, I, I mean, they're talking and they're sad losers right now, but I think in the end they are going to come on board with the, the Trump movement. I, I just don't see that happening. Well, the drumbeat now, of course, is down ballot, we're going to get slaughtered, mm-hmm. et cetera. And, mm-hmm. and I would say, you know, the down ballot people have got to do their homework and uh, they don't have to mimic Trump, certainly not. But they have to, you know, they have to have people advising them that at least understand it. I don't I don't think most do. And, and unless they change course in terms of analyzing the landscape, Trump's going to be in Washington in January and they're not. They're going to be sitting here. And there's a real risk of that. And I I don't know, this is writ large, how we keep hiring the same people who have no political gut, no skill. They lash out at somebody else who does have half a clue. And we keep hiring these people. What are we doing? I mean, come on. Just out of sheer self-preservation, if you're an elected official, don't you want to win? Don't you want to know where your voters are? Don't you want to know what's going on in the culture? Come on, like, hire somebody who knows what's going on. Well, here's a question to you. They don't do that, and they don't do it for a reason, and I'm going to posit one. It's because to do so would be to threaten them and the status quo, yes or no? Well, the ultimate loss of status quo is you're not going to get reelected. I mean, I I think Minnesota Republicans love to lose. I don't agree with that, but I I think it's a yes to your... I'd I'd like to see the evidence to the contrary. Yeah, well, yes to your question, John, but I think the other problem is, Laura, um, we we have to build the ground game from maybe city council races or house districts and get that knowledge inside of these uh, new potential managers and staffers. And that's why we inevitably go with the same people is because they've been around and they actually know how to campaign, not well, but they know how to campaign. And we have a whole wide range of people that would probably be tons better than them. They just have never done it. They've never been in that that, that sector. But you can't compete with, you know, like a Greg Pepin, whose wife is second in command in the House. And when you're running a House race and someone calls you up and says, you know, you either need to use this this great consulting firm for five grand a month, you know, or you don't have to. But, you know, it might affect things a little bit. I mean, that's corrupt. Yeah, it's a great point. Sorry, but, Peppins. But like we, you, we can't. Corrupt. Yeah, well, Joyce has to vote better. So what we has nothing that has nothing to do with it. You you missed it. No, no, no. I'm saying uh, that's why you're I, saying if we just no, 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 get I, new I, I agree. I, in, I'm saying I, I have no problem going after the Peppins. How, how do you how do you change that? Uh, you you can't wanna, do it this year. But, we don't want to get rid of Joyce. Joyce is conservative. Well, but not by the way you, she voted last year. But but what I'm saying is if the same people are paying these people, and that's sort of a corrupt system, it really is. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that's just what it is when you have someone's wife or husband. Or in yeah, the it's case very of unethical. Jennifer Loon, you know, whose husband's head of the Minnesota Chamber, right. 
Are you ever going to, you know, take the right stand on something if that's going to affect oh, your absolutely. committee assignments? Or, or the, how or many? We else? had two guys working for um, Ainsley Shea, which was lobbying for national popular vote, and one ended up on the elections committee. Yep. Uh, Tim yep. Sanders is stepping down now, but yep. um, Amen. Amen. no, no. I think we can't compete with the happens of the world in to, the 2016 cycle. What I'm, my point is that we have to start building that farm team. And and maybe four, six years down the road, we will have that knowledge base of good people. Now, we have got a bunch of candidates, our organization, that's supported. These people are now learning how to run campaigns. They're learning from scratch, although we have a knowledge base inside of organization to teach them. And after this election cycle, there'll be that many more people that know how to do it. So I, I'm ho- actually optimistic here. And hopefully when they go to St. Paul, they'll stand up against the... Oh, yeah. The, if they don't, they'll hear from us. Right. Yeah. But that's that's my thing, because certainly someone like Cindy Pugh, who I managed her endorsement race, has, mm-hmm. you know, not stood up at not all. Not at all. And others. None so of them have, why, actually. The why house, not? The House is terrible. No, I mean, we got to be honest. Because, what's happened to the Republican Party? Trump is not the worst thing that's happened to the Republican Party. The worst thing that's happened to the Republican Party, just look at what's happening here in Minnesota. We have all the Republicans growing government. There's like no dissension right now in the caucus on these omnibus bills. They just passed this K through 12 that actually raises taxes. The good news is one or two or three people could change the whole thing. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. We just need one or two, and there's not even those people in the caucus. No, there isn't. So At least they're not showing it with votes. They, 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 they'll they talk about the Let's get back to committee. the party a little bit in Minnesota. All talk, is, no action, you might say. All talk, no yeah. action. All that needs to happen in Minnesota right now, let's just be practical, is for the national delegate slate, for the people that are putting that together, I don't know, I think it's Jeff Johnson has his hand in it. I know last time it was the Meekses who had their hands in it, who are very tight with Chris Tiedemann, da-da-da-da-da. Vin Weber. Okay, Vin Weber, D.C. lobbyists. Okay, boys, girls, listen, this is really, really easy. Trump is now the nominee. Instead of sending people that supported Rubio or Kasich or Cruz or whoever, they've already taken up the spots people need to get into a room and say listen let's get together let's unite this thing okay let's send trump people and trump supporters i understand this is pollyanna-ish but this is how a functioning a group of functioning not dysfunctional functioning people would work and by the way i put an olive branch out about a year ago to get a couple very very important people in minnesota politics one who runs the biggest think tank in the state and another who has uh, a lot of other influence. And it didn't It didn't happen. No one took... Because do you know that that's what the Democrats did some mm-hmm. dozen years ago? They got all the big guys and girls in a room and said, look, we're losing. It was when Pawlenty was in charge and when we were trying to make some headway. Why are we this ridiculous? Why, you know, for example, when I challenged Loon in that race, you know, I didn't even get a call from Keith Downey afterwards. I, I don't care. But why are we so immature that when we do, you know, have our differences, we can't get together and say, look, there's all sorts of different factions of a Republican Party in Minnesota. We get that. They're, OK, get people in a room, figure out how the hell to win. And talking about hunting, take one of these Democrats down. You're not going to get all instead of trying to fi- run all the, con- the constitutional offices and the governor, pick one, go the hell after them and get them out of there. Why do we run like this? And well, I'm just everybody's spreading their right. You know, yeah, yeah I'm just as guilty as, take, as those people. Take one or two people out, replace them with better people, things will change. I've actually seen diagrams of this comparing the DFL Mm -hmm. to the MNGOP and the the level of coordination, cooperation, divide and conquer. You handle this, you handle, you know, 
They are light years ahead it's of us. It's a thing of beauty, isn't yeah, it, on and, the other and, side? Right. It's a and thing of beauty. We are siloed. Yep. We're yes. jealous. We're petty. Petty. High school. I say because I'm here to ingratiate myself. Uh, that the dumbest Republicans in the nation are warehoused in Minnesota. <laughs> and I don't mean that personally to any man or woman who hears this who is a Republican. Well, I'm talking, yeah. but I'm talking as, as a collect. No. Yeah. Well, as every, a collective. The, let me speak. Get no. Off my, get off my podcast. podcast. Get off my lawn. Um, uh, no, no. This is, this, is, this is the point. It's not an it's not an ad hominem. Sounds like it, mm-hmm. but when I say Minnesota Republicans, I mean acting as a polity or a political unit, uh, a machine, uh, a something. Um, they they are writ large terrible. North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, Wisconsin. Say, Wisconsin. Why can't they get in a room and go? What do you guys do differently that we don't? You know why? And I know we have history and a progressive path. I get all of it in Swedish and blah 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 blah. They've tried to get people into a room. It didn't go well. Well, it doesn't go well because I'll <laughs> I think never they, agree I think, with the Kurt Doubts right. of the world because the GOP understands. I think it's because we have. Are, does every state have DC lobbyists running the show? Uh, that, I no. really, it's I don't an think honest so. question. No. Okay, okay. Right. We don't even have, I mean, this podcast is one of... I mean, it's Finn few... Weber and Norm Coleman That's are right. huge, yeah. huge DC lobbyists. Right. And guys, nothing wrong, fine, great, I don't care. That's wonderful. That's how you make your living. But quit ruining Minnesota. We haven't voted for a Republican president since before I was born. Can you can you stop blaming the people like me or anybody else and maybe pull your heads out and say there's something different here than, like you said, than surrounding states that we're doing wrong? Are we going to fix it or are we going to sit with our heads? Well, now stuck? you say that because because we have the wrong candidates or well, what's the solution here? Because they're never going to support our candidates. Okay, you're trying to go from the grassroots. And this is the same thing I told the Trump campaign, by the way, when yeah. I said I want nothing to do with the delegate process. They kept calling, well, can you? I, no. I said, because this is a top-down process. It's not a grassroots process. And I said, and this is how you have to have it done. If Newt is in with the Trump campaign, have Newt call Annette Meeks. She used to be his chief of staff and have her negotiate a Trump slate for you. This is a top-down state. It's not supposed to be that way, but that is how it works. That's what I've seen from the inside in. None of these people are bad people okay right, they're not right, right, that's i'm right. not right. just exactly saying right. this is how it yep. is and accept that and i think it's wonderful that you're working from the grassroots i get grassroots organizing we do have the potential to change things i mean we are literally though i mean with two terms of dayton and 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 you've got tina flint like this has to be done now people can mm-hmm. this be done mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. because if it's not done now the state is in permanent permanent loss we are combination detroit with minneapolis and oregon with oh freaky God. lefties what a combo. and no one's gonna want to move Portland, here yeah. any anybody with a conservative tonic? bone in their body right. as a ceo as a doctor as any other type of professional is not going to come to minnesota it's going to get this we've got a goofy reputation to start with mm-hmm. if we go down the path more of these outrageous taxes mm-hmm. Killer taxes with we, our we've already, weather we've already and everything seen, else. We've already seen income leave the state. I mean, you know, good to... Okay, so there's my message to the right. chamber people. Right. Can, can we work together? Right. Please. Here, well, here, well, I think it really point, does come down to candidates, though. Well, hang on. We'll it, never agree on those. Maybe. But, but here's the point, and maybe it's uh, two sides of the same coin. In fact, I know it is. Number one, 
had coffee with somebody everybody in this room would know, not an elected official, good person, um, a woman whom we don't do very well by women in the Republican Party. That's another podcast. Um, Who's he talking to? Um, I'll tell you after. Um, because we were just shooting the breeze, we weren't hatching any plans. I was like, God, um, trying to take a measure of the lay of the land. I said that Republicans and activists don't do what the Democrats do all the time, which is have any number of different social functions where people just schmooze. They make personal contacts. They paper over any disruptions. They have food. That's spelled F-O-O-D in case people are, you know, will there be food at the CD2 convention? I don't know. It's, mm. you know. It's it's my Jewish heritage. I'm not Jewish, but, you know, I used to bring pizza to the CD4 committee meetings and it was, you know, ridiculous. We don't do anything where there is uh, social opportunities uh, or feel-good opportunities. Every year there is the DFL Women Hall of Fame. Now, some of these women haven't done anything except maybe, not to discount it, stuff envelopes. Okay? I mean, we're not talking like swimming in the English Channel or something like that. But what they do is they value them. And they have these events, and they feel good but about part- and they feel good about participating in the yeah. Democratic Party. And we don't do any of that. So, Sheila, to your point of, can we talk? Can we get into a room? We, we don't even talk. I mean, who knows who's going to listen to this podcast? Hopefully, a lot of different people that you were speaking of, uh, because we welcome all comers here. But but we've got no physical avenues for disparate parts of the party to come and mingle. And and like you said, it's all silos. And to your point the other day, Sheila, to put you on the spot, you were going to get something together for Trump supporters mm-hmm. in the metro area, mm-hmm. which might be a good idea. <laughs> oh, I don't know, this weekend. Well, and no, con- oh, there's, we need a consensus. That- I, like tr- I like Trump people. Free, free, no, we're fine. Free yeah, beer. but I like Trump people. He, wants, no he wants free beer. There needs oh, also to that. be a consensus that we're not all going to get our way on every candidate. This is not a purity test. We need to embrace the concept of nudging, the book nudging, the concept of nudging written by Cass Sunstein and Richard Thaler, who, by the way, was one of my professors. I know I'm super dumb, but I had Richard. Cass Sunstein? No, Richard Richard Thaler. Interesting. And they literally wrote the book on nudging. We need to get Cass Sunstein married to Ambassador Samantha Powers. I'm dumb, too. Yeah, we're we're dumb here. We're on such a tangent. I don't know where we're going. We need to embrace nudging, and we need to move the ball slowly in a direction together. That's what the left does. And they, you know, they don't all get everything they want every time. So we need to stop expecting perfection. But you know what has to happen first, guys, before one big dysfunctional family, at least it's how my family operates, Mm. before you can have a glass of wine together. You you need to airing of the grievances. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I'm Irish, man. We throw stuff at each other. Right. And and that's why I get Trump so much, because he'll just boom, 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 ha, you know, and then he's their friend. Is that like somebody ringing the bell, shame, um, and somebody has to walk through? So anti-Minnesotan. I have have 100%. It is anti-Minnesotan. My dad is 100% Irish from the Bronx, New York, so I, I just completely get it. Where you can just beat the crap That's out where of you somebody. get your timidity from. I know. I, I'm a, I know. I'm a fish out of water. But I mean that in a good way. You got to get in a room and say, you did this and you did that. Okay, fine. Now. Now. I mean, that just doesn't but Sheila, happen. My point is, it doesn't happen. My point is, forget the, you know, heavy hors d'oeuvres and open cash and open bar. How do you get people in the same room to begin with, let alone have something I don't know, because I skipped the Freedom Club thing because I couldn't stand to be in a room with some of the legislators. I couldn't. They didn't didn't come. And and I heard from a good friend of mine who did talk to one of these uh, very high up legislators in leadership when she did try to air uh, some grievances with him in a polite way. 
way. He turned on his heel and walked away from her. So there you go. I mean, they're just a bunch of big babies, you know, and um, anyhow. Well, so, you know, so that's what I'm saying. I'm not interested in being in a room with anybody unless you can speak your truth. They can speak it back. And at the end of the day, you can go to what Jake said. Listen, we agree on 95 percent of stuff. Can we agree Minnesota's going down the crapper? Or no, because if you don't agree with that, if you're thinking it's just the best of all possible worlds and it's just fine and we, we don't say a word about that top tax break because we don't want to be seen for the rich and we don't. Candide, if, Voltaire for if, you and Rio that's Linda. Right, that's right. I'm stupid, too. I don't know Voltaire. <laughs> um, so <laughs> unless we can do that, then I'm not interested because I'm only interested in honest conversation, productive conversation that that can get us Great, great. I don't think anyone would disagree with that, but but let's let's solve the problem if we can. And Laura, jump in. Uh, Jake, you get to go third, then Sheila. Well, just because um, you'll you'll show up, but well, no, I mean, I think we're we're trying to solve a Republican problem. Uh, Jake wants to be invited uh, to the party, literally, when we have candidates that are decent in his estimation, and that's completely fair. We... We don't have a message, and we have candidates who have to embody that message. We don't have uh, a flippin' message that we can sell statewide to the voters of Minnesota. That's why we haven't Bingo. won a statewide race in 10 years and maybe 12. But, Sheila, to your point of getting in this room, not for a knockdown drag out, but let's just call it that, clearing of the air, some sort of expungement of, of misunderstandings, grievances, wounds, whatever. I mean, the idea is to have it be productive and not just... Uh, uh, smash mouth. What do we do? Do we have um, Minnesota conservatives hosts uh, a forum on the state of the Republican Party? It's uh, happened before. Right. I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm really looking for something tangible. I think tangible. it's behind closed doors. Yes. I think when you have a family, when mommy's beating or daddy's beating mommy, whatever, I don't know. I'm My not God, even making no a No wonder analogy. you're a Trump supporter. Look at that violence. <laughs> My God, I Irish. think it's something to do. You have no idea. Um, oh. I think it's what are something mommy and you daddy do doing, behind closed up. doors. I don't think, I think fake socializing, you know, that that's great. That serves a purpose. I know what you're talking about. I'm not talking about. about fake socializing. I'm talking about some sort of forum where people speak honestly. I get it now. You're saying it needs to be in private so that it can really be done. Hopefully nobody we would be. mediators. Like you I, I well, think you're living but, but in a fantasy world. Let me get a point. Let me get a point in here. I've been listening a lot. Let's get a point in here. This is a fantasy la-la land here. It's never going to happen. Uh, this all comes down to the the people that are in certain positions, whether it's grassroots or the people that are in charge of the party or the people that are in charge of the caucus, and we're just never going to get along. So what? What I, my point is, how do we revive the Republican Party? We need to actually stand for something. We do need to have a message from our chairman, and it has to be that of unifying conservatives, like free markets or fiscal responsibility. And we don't have that. So until uh, so. If, we're never going to solve really this problem. Think free markets and fiscal responsibility. Oh, that's I'm sorry. That's the sorry. message for 2016. No, I don't mean that's the message. I mean that's what it's centered on. You know, you, you find a way to craft a message around free markets. I like the Trump message. Things are going down the crapper. Would you like to fix it? Yes or no? That's I think kind of. In, what do you think of that messaging? Well, let me ask you something. Well, it doesn't mean anything to me. I yeah, mean, we, we 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 don't want to go too long because people only have so much time no. to listen to even the brilliance of the primary <laughs> podcast pundits. But let's not leave uh, poor Ryan Love out in the cold here. Was there anything that he said that you thought going forward might have some applicability? I I I noticed a an uptick in interest uh, when he talked about messaging and how we can we can do that better. Um, 
is is the party part of of this solution? And if so, uh, is it part of well, this of global? Is it part of this global discussion that you're thinking about, Sheila, or can it be addressed on its own terms, Laura? What I thought. He failed to mention, and he did talk a little bit about the siloing between, let's say, the House Caucus and the party. But, you know, the elephant in the room, pun intended, is the head of the House Caucus and the head of the MNGOP both have higher aspirations. They are rivals to a certain extent. That's the situation we are in right now. Like, let's get it out there and... You know, let's have people. I don't know. I don't know how you solve that problem because we want mm-hmm. a bench. We want people mm-hmm. running for office, et cetera. But it's it's awfully hard to get things done when you have rivals in those two positions. You know, what's Downey going to do? I mean, he needs to elect Republicans. I would I'd like him to. Down can as I chair. finish? Can Shut, I finish? Step down as chair if you want to be governor. Who's talking? He, well, I feel like you're over talking today. OK. And thanks. you hurt my feelings. Hey, Listen, oh God, you've turned into a social justice warrior. <laughs> Have you seen that new Safe video, thing. by the way, with uh, Milo and uh, Milo? My, is it Milo and Milo? And then Steven Crowder? No. You yes. got to watch it. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Um, Great. Now I lost my point. I thought, oh. The floor is yours. The floor is mine. Thank Crickets. you. Listen. Liberty. When when our let's, house caucus, prime the pump. Liberty. When our house caucus, constitution. Yeah. Can I can I finish? I don't know. Can you can you start? Can we're start? waiting for you to start. <laughs> you guys are so mean to me. I know. That's what we're here for. The house caucus, their performance is terrible. So what do we do here? I mean, we are not Republicans anymore. We have the house. But let me let me in jump Minnesota. in and ask you. Though, I know. Of course, you're not gonna let me finish. I am gonna let you finish. But but here's the question. You say their 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 uh, performance is terrible. It's terrible. What's your metric for that? Because, again, in the sure. defense and, and because I'm trying to play devil's advocate, they would say, well, easy for you to say, buddy, we clawed back a majority in that chamber, which is not nothing. Well, so, so you're right. Yourself. A lot of it is subjective, for so, sure. So what do you mean that their, their performance is poor? Well, we grew government by uh, okay. probably okay. close. To, we'll find out by the end of this session because right. we did pass a budget last year. grew government by 5.5%, but they left a retainer, uh, a surplus Jake, in there. Jake, it was the third smallest increase. <laughs> now uh, it's you, the second. They're going around. That's a new talking oh, point. But, that's, oh, is it? but see, this is my point is that's their talking point. Right. Moving I know. Now. And well, how are you getting conservatives interested in being part of the Republican Party when that's your talking point? They did nothing. They're terrible negotiators. Trump is spot on you, you, about You could say they're standing athwart history saying whatever. Yeah. <laughs> when when they and, and, and what are the measures I use? There's three scorecards, very reputable scorecards in Minnesota. Liberty scorecard, Taxpayers League scorecard, and LEA. They all came out last year showing yeah. that the yeah. House overwhelmingly failed. They never say that, that they got a grade of failure but or an F, but they did. I mean, most of these scores were under 50%. The leadership was under 50%. So they grew government. They're bonding right now. They, our House position is that we're going to have $600 million in bonding, at least. It's probably worse than that. Uh, so we, we, we're apparently not good, good enough to just balance our books. We have to take out more money. And this is the Republican Party. So how do we solve this thing? Um, I don't know. I would have a lot of respect for Downey to call these guys out on it and say this is not the message of the Republican Party, but he's got to get these guys elected and, and at a point that's but you see, he's Laura's got to be ignorant point. to it, I now, guess. Can I go back to when right. I originally interrupted you and sure. you told me to shut up? I told um, you nicely. Okay. Shut up now. How do you do that when you want to run for governor? There you go. Which 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 legislators do you call out? I mean, they all represent a different. Part You're talking of the about state. Downey, yeah, because yeah. you guys don't you think even or doubt, were to, or doubt, or doubt. But, see, well, but, but that's a, a good thing is if he's taken a note from Donald Trump, which is what I've said I've agreed with you guys this whole time about. We is, must have missed that. 
No. <laughs> oh, go back and listen. We're nudging him. I've always said this is a good thing about Donald Trump is he knows how to campaign. He's a very good politician. And so, they could take a note from how I'm never going to change it. But Jake and Keith and Sheila, Downey and yeah. what the party should do. That's what he should do. Do but what? Here, or he steps down. If he really wants Wait to be governor, step down. Do what? Call out. Call them out. Call them Yes, call out Kurt leadership. How does he do it when he wants to run for governor and needs the base to support? How does he do it without being without So you're assuming he can't of, get that with calling well, out Kurt Dowd? I mean, yes. what, you think Kurt Dowd's so famous and so popular in the state that it would Well, it would I, I think everything? you're very biased towards Downey. Let me, I'm just going to treat them equally. I mean, really, truly. That to me, it's fine, you know, and, and I'm no fan of mm-hmm. Kurt Dowd. You know that. But I, you're, you're saying that it's, he's able to do that with integrity. I don't think he is. I think a big problem with Downey right now is the number one thing that the party chair should be doing is going after Democrats viciously, sure. daily. And this is where he takes the page from Trump immediately. Quick responses. And I barely see Keith Downey even tweeting anymore or doing anything. And, and now you're saying he should be there to hold the, peep, the Republicans accountable. I, I don't disagree with you. Although, again, I would do it probably behind closed doors a little bit. You have a lot I'm less sure ability to do that when people know that your ambition is to run for governor. Yeah, I mean, I'm not totally disagreeing with you, but we have a real brand problem. I think we've all identified that the Republican Party has no central messages, nothing to stand on. And even if they did say that, it's not like they're actually physically doing it. Because I take it as at, a start. <laughs> really, I take it as a start. Because really the party's going to be identified by the people who represent them. In Congress or represent them at the state, and our congressmen suck. Our congressmen suck here in the state of Minnesota. Republican congressmen suck, and uh, our House caucus has failed. So uh, we we have a huge problem with these uh, with the Republican Party. But I think that if we could, as conservatives, take over um, the talking points and take over the message and start implementing. A strategy where we're getting these guys elected, and maybe four or six years down the road, we're the people that are in the campaign consultancy class and start running these campaigns and become staffers. We could turn this thing around. But this idea that we ever we could all get along and and get in a big room and solve these things will never happen. Vin Weber and I will never see things the same way. And, and the reason is, is he's connected well, to money with politics. Well, that's what the Democrats did. But cooperation ago, doesn't so mean know. agreement, well, he, total agreement. You can cooperate without totally agreeing. Democrats do it all the time. Well, here's why Democrat, yeah. why it works all better with Democrats is because um, some of them are much more to the socialist side and some of them are that's more an to excuse. the moderate side. No, that's just let, me, let me finish my point. That's an excuse. And either way, their grown government and the trajectory keeps going the way they want. Whereas in the Republican side, the rhinos, the moderates, they, they are fine with the status quo. They're fine with government continuing to grow. It helps the campaign consultancy class because they need the money. That's true. And then there's our side, which is we believe in less government. It's what we always talk about, governments interfering with our lives. So when do we ever win and compromise? We don't. So this is why we have a, a, a harder time to get along is because no matter what happens on the left side of politics, government grows. But on our side, it seems like we never shrink government. Which goes back to my original point. Does any other state have very, very powerful, very wealthy D.C. lobbyists, Norm Coleman and Vin Weber, running their state and ultimately running the state party? Maybe. I don't know. I have to say, in our, I have to say in our defense and, and in mine, this is one of the few venues that you'll even hear that discussion exactly. asked, Sheila, exactly. or discussed. And so, you know, I'm all for having that private come-to-Jesus moment amongst the various factions of the party. Uh, but privately or publicly, that's one of them that needs to be addressed. I mean, I got introduced to Annette and Jack Meeks at a public affairs Christmas party. And after a few moments, it was when Pat Shortridge was chair and uh, Kelly Fenton had just been uh, deputy chair. And Kelly was standing there and Annette Meeks finally said, oh, you're that guy that writes all that mean stuff about us. <laughs> Poor Kelly. She was going to, you know, faint dead away. Um, 
And the first thing Annette said to me is, "Aren't you cute?" Well, there you go. Um, no, but but you know there are there are there, there are economic interests that are ensconced and that benefit from the Republican status quo, and I'm in a room with three other people who understand that, um, and really I don't think we take it personally. We get it, but it's strangling and killing the viability of the Republican Party in Minnesota. And I think even though the primary ends June 7th and it's a foregone conclusion, we should have the panel back again to talk about the parameters of some of these things we've just started to really uh, open a can of worms about because it's, it's an overdue discussion, I think. I think, we're, I think we're starving for it, and I think for lack of that discussion, we're dying on the vine. If we don't win a statewide race in 2018, right. are, right. we, are we a political party in Minnesota? No. Seems to me the stakes are rather high. We need to win. We, we need, need to win. We, we need to win so much. We'll be sick of winning. I want to be sick of winning. Jake Duesenberg, thank you for your contribution. Sheila Kenny, thank you. And Laura Hemler, this has been Gilmore and Guest with the Primary Pundit Podcast. Please listen again whenever I feel like doing another podcast. Thank you very much, and thanks to Joshua Gephardt, our producer. 